American history is full of the good, bad, and everything in between. But in the end, these are our stories. Today's episode is the third version of the After Dark series, where your host Jacob will be joined by another one of my special guest historians, where we talk about whatever topic they've chosen. So pull up a chair and join the history book and a guest for the After Dark series. Hello everyone, this is the brand new edition of the After Dark series from the history book. Today, I am joined by another one of my good friends who is going to be talking about another awesome topic. Her name is Allie Biddles, or as I call her, Biddles. Allie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, no, hi, I'm Allie Biddles. Um, I'm from around the Philadelphia area. I actually have Valley Forge right in my backyard, so I've always uh, grown up with history and things of that nature, which is great. So good to be here, Jacob. (laughs) Well, that's good. So you want to talk a little bit about your background? (laughs) Yeah, no, sure. So actually, I've always been into history in general. Uh, Obviously, I mentioned Valley Forge literally been in my backyard all my life. So I was always really interested in the Revolutionary War. They taught that a lot of school around here, obviously. And but then I would bounce around to I was into the Second World War and a little bit of the First World War, but never really too in-depth. I'd always kind of go like broad strokes, which is sort of fun. But then I got into the Civil War about last year, and I just, you know, kind of just jumped nosedive into the deep end until all of it. So it's a lot of fun, and it's very interesting. So It helps, it helps <laughs> that you can read like a book a day. Yeah, it's, well, not a book a day. I try. I actually, I, I try to read a hundred pages a day if I can. So that is, luckily, luckily, my job not allows me, but I make time. I force myself to almost read a hundred pages a day. I try to anyway, unless I fall asleep. So that doesn't help things. But so, yeah, just as a little bit of a shout out, um, if you don't follow Ali on social media, you should because there's always really awesome book enabling that happens there. <laughs> All the time. Um, and I know there's been a handful of books that I have been enabled from her. In fact, my <laughs> entire Christmas book list was from Allie. Oh, yay. Each <laughs> of the different battles that I wanted to get a book for. Oh, yay. I like so, that. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yes. So definitely follow her on her social media so you can see all those awesome book enabling things. But we will jump right into it, and I guess the best question to ask is, what topic are we talking about today, as if I don't already know? <laughs> oh, you're, we're talking about old Hiram Ulysses Grant, you know, old U.S. Grant, Sam Grant, my favorite. Uh, unconditional actually, Surrender. Yeah. Unconditional Surrender Grant. Um, I'm sure there's thousands of other things people called him, because he was a very popular man. Um, and also, also, could be very unpopular to some people. <laughs> Um, so they probably called him a lot of things, but actually, um, I to do a little story. I actually got into the Civil War because of Grant. Because when the History Channel actually does show history, that's I become interested. I was at, I was watching the George Washington special that they had last year. I think it was three or four episodes, and at the tail end of one of those episodes, they had a preview for Grant. And the thing that really caught my eye, as I'm very shallow, was Leonardo DiCaprio producing. I was like, Ugh, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but I was also very interested. I was like, oh, Grant, who's this? I had no, I kind of was, I knew a little bit about the Civil War, embarrassingly, because when I was a preteen, I liked Twilight. 
and uh, one of the characters was like a Confederate officer. So I looked into I, it. I can um, <laughs> unshamefully admit that I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. I know. I realized that the other day. I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. I don't like. No, that. I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. But so, but I so I but I didn't know about Grant at all. We kind of in school, we kind of just breezed by the Civil War. We watched a little bit of Glory when I was in high school, but we really didn't talk about it. So when I Last year during Memorial Day weekend, they showed the three-part miniseries. It was hilariously appointment viewing for me. My older brother was there and he's like, can we watch something else? I was like, absolutely not. I'm like, I want to watch this thing about Grant because I have no idea. And the first episode, I was hooked because- um, I still haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Well, you know what? If you know a little bit, so it's, I think it's a really good introduction sort of deal. Like I didn't know anything about Grant and it's very bare bones, basic sort of thing. But it's a really good introduction. I think the guy they got to play Grant was great. I thought he had he had the look about him. He kind of had the cadence. I totally, if they were going to make a movie or TV show, I, I would be like, get that guy to do it. But so I got into it. And obviously it's from a, the, one of the executive producers was Frank Chernow. So I got, you know, the big giant oh, behemoth. Why would you do that to yourself? And I read it in a week. <laughs> it's almost a thousand pages baby i read it in a week and uh, I, I, I can't get that upset about that because i did the same thing with this hamilton book i mean it was yeah. done in like three days <laughs> it was and i really enjoyed now other now it's funny i've read other i've read i think about like three or four books about grant and that, that one would probably be my like my third recommendation if i had to recommend it to anyone i'd actually recommend brooke simpson's book triumph over adversary um adversity adversary there's the book enabling Yes, it's a really good book. It's just, it just covers his life up to the end of the Civil War. And then Brooke Simpson has another book called Let Us Have Peace that goes from the end of the Civil War before his presidency, which is also a very good book. But I would recommend those. But yeah, that was how I got into it. And I just got hooked on this idea. First of all, he, I, I like horses, like kind of like, oh, horses are great. But I really like the fact that he liked horses, which is really shallow of me. But actually, the thing that really uh, I latched on to when I was reading more and more about him was that he wasn't very good or he didn't really like going out in public and speaking. He wasn't very good at it. And I totally related to that, even though I chat a lot in our group chats and things like that. And I can't have you on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. I can't public speak or I could. I'm not. I don't think I'm very good at it. When I was in high school, it would shattered me to go up to the front of the, the, out of the uh, classroom and do your presentation. I even took a, I was forced to take a class in college for it, which is not good. So I, re I related on that level. I was like, oh, this guy is relatable. This is very interesting. You wouldn't think that this sort of, sort of quiet, shy dude was, would be this big time general who would end up winning the civil war with everyone else. So that's how I got attached, not attached, but I got interested. <laughs> attached is a good word, but um, it's a very accurate word. It is accurate because I talk about him all the time. It's um, all right. I talk about Braxton Bragg all the time. And that's true. And sighs and listens. <laughs> everyone's like, that's nice, Jacob. <laughs> Braxton Bragg. But, yeah, but I, you know, everyone has their interest, and I honed in on Grant, and, and a lot of the things too were uh, his family. I really was very interested in his family life, how dedicated he was to his family. I got really engrossed. You can go online and read all of his papers on the Mississippi State University site. 
and you can read all his letters. I just got engrossed in these letters that he would send to Julia when he was away during the Mexican-American War. So Je- I, will, I will go ahead and ask a question then. Yes. Tell me about Julia, because I only Ju- know a little bit about her. Julia is very interesting. She is, oh God, I, I can't remember which child she is out of the dense. I think she's, I think she's, the, if I remember correctly, she's the oldest girl. She wasn't actually there when Grant and, uh, first arrived at Whitehaven. He was in, he was in the fourth infantry. So they were at Jefferson Barracks and Fred Dent, who was Julia's older brother, invited Grant to go because Fred and Grant were roommates at West Point and they were really good friends. I believe Fred actually wrote to Julia and said he was like, that Grant was a guy made of gold. He was just so good. He was made of gold, which I was, think is very sweet because Fred and Grant are very good friends till the end of, the, of Grant's life. And um, so he, the first time he goes to Whitehaven with, uh, with James Longstreet because they are good friends. And Longstreet is Julia's fourth cousin, something I think on her mother's side, if I remember correctly. All uh, these families she, intermarry together. It's, it's so funny thing. to me. Yeah, it's, so- it's the same thing with Virginia. <laughs> Like all these Virginian generals are all sort of related because yeah. they all like the Marshalls marry the Washingtons, the Washington marry the Jeffersons yeah. <laughs> and the Randolphs and the Masons, and they're all just kind of in the least. So they're all interconnected. Yeah, because I believe our um Julia's mom is from, I think they're either from, she's from Maryland or Virginia, and they moved out west. Which... There's a lot of connotations you could take from that, but we'll just <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, exactly. But so the so Julia, I think she was up at school when Grant first got there. And I think on his like third or fourth visit, they met and they would, they would just go riding together. Grant would read her books and they just really enjoyed each other's company. And I think once he tried to give his class ring to her and she kind of said no, because it made her nervous. And he was very, he was very sad about it. He was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> and I know. And so he rode, uh, not rode off, but he went back obviously to the barracks. And, but Ju- Julia is very interesting because she is, she, I, she's very outgoing. I think she has a lot of qualities that Grant doesn't have, but he, what he really liked about her, she's very outgoing. She's very friendly. She easily talked to people. She liked parties, which Grant did not like. He could like put a stake through Grant to go to a freaking party. Maybe not later in his life, but like at the start of his life, he hated it. <laughs> um, but, but it's very, I think it, they just kind of connected. I think the Dents had a sort of warmth that maybe the Grant family didn't have, which isn't a bad thing. I think the Grants were a very, they were a very loving family, but in a very different way. I think the, the, I feel like the Dents were more Maybe a little touchy feely, more like, oh my God, I missed you so much. This is great. And then the grants would be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I mean, Hannah, what, uh, Hannah, Grant's mom, I think one time when he was younger, I think he was a baby, crawling around these horses, um, like the hooves of these horses, someone was like, hey, you want to pick up your baby? And she's like, nah, he's fine, just with the horses. That's why I jokingly call him a horse girl because he just hmm. he speaks he speaks horse. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think that's the sort of connection that they have. I think he, she was very warm and some someone very different that he had never interacted with before, and he became very attached. I, he loved her a lot, and he was very worried when he was away in Mexico that someone would come in and because the dad Fred Dent Senior, I guess, didn't like him. Not didn't like him, but I, he thought Julia could do better. <laughs> <laughs> so which I mean I, I I think I understand that a little bit but Grant was like no he's like I love Julia like let me marry her and they it was very begrudging so he, he was 
his letters are very, I find them very sweet. They're very endearing. They're kind of funny. There's a letter where he talks about that she sent him flowers and you can kind of see it if you look at them. I'm in the Library of Congress, I think. And you can see where the flowers were pressed into the paper. And he was saying that when he put, pulled them out, they flew away. They kind of just blew away in his hand. I guess he was around trying to chase them down, which I, I imagine that in my head, which is very funny to think about just Grant running it's around. Just, it's very sweet and romantic and hilarious. It oh, it's very, it's very cute. They're, they're a very cute couple. I, I, I think you can tell, I think, especially when it's away from his family, you can see in those letters how upset he is. He's tried every way to get his family to come west. He's tried to get money and every single thing he tries doesn't work. He tries to sell ice. It melts on the way. They try to plant food. It gets washed away. He invests in this guy. Surprise. He takes all the money, <laughs> which is a reoccurring theme for Grant because he's not very good with money. Uh, um, but he's, he's so desperate for them to come out to be with him and he hadn't seen his second son uh ulysses jr buck because he was born in ohio he hadn't he'd never seen him i think he, two years yeah he, he hadn't seen that one child he had seen fred but when julia was about to give birth to ulysses jr he had to go out west and he never saw him and i think it really really upset him to be away from his family and everything else so but it's very endearing to look at that, that those are some of my favorite things to look at with grant is his family life and and then you have Nellie, who is the third young, third child, who is the only girl. So he loves her and, as you do your only daughter. And then there's Jesse Grant, who is, um, he's rambunctious. <laughs> he always tackled Grant to the floor, apparently, when, or when Grant would come home from when they were living in Galena, when he would come home from work, uh, Jesse would try to wrestle him to the ground and Grant's like, oh, I can't fight a man your size, you're too small. But then he would play fully, like fall to the ground and Jesse would, they would play around on the ground together. And I'm like, that's very endearing. Yeah. <laughs> so you've kind of sort of touched on this a little bit and it's mm -hmm. a question I remember I asked the James Garfield house because I think yes. it's a very interesting question. Mm -hmm. um, really the question is, is a lot of the times what tends to happen with these historic figures is we really only see the photograph. We get that still image of who they look like, but we don't really get an idea of who they were. So you don't really get that personality. Yeah. So sort of what was Grant's personality like? Well, I, I think it depended on the person he was speaking with. I think if it was around close friends, I've read so many accounts because, you know, the kind of the general personality that people think of with Grant is that he's quiet, he's stoic, he smokes cigars, maybe he's an alcoholic. That's another topic for another day. I don't agree. That's the one thing about the Ron Chanel book that I, even when I didn't know a lot about Grant, that kind of drove me nuts the way that he was presenting that information. It was very, whatever. Um, There's a lot of alcoholism in the civil war. And yeah, I, I'm like, everyone, Grant was a lightweight. He was I, I tend to, I tend to agree with you. I don't think that Grant was nearly as bad no, as yeah, he, he was, was. Yeah, he was a lightweight. And I love the idea of, um, when someone isn't feeling well, which Grant did a lot of the time, he used to um, he used to have malaria when he was younger, and it kind of like went through his older life as well. They give him like wine, which I'm 
is an awful idea if you're lightweight. Yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. But so I, but so when he's around friends and family, and I think a lot of other people, people, he was very funny. He loved to tell stories. That's something I always see reoccurring. He loved to tell stories. He had a very funny kind of dry sense of humor, which right up my alley. There's a, a story about when the election for 1864 is the, the election results are coming in the telegram. Grant's reading the telegrams. He's kind of just shaking his head. He's like, ah. Got, and his staff officers are around him. He's like, oh, guys, this is not looking good. And all the guys are like, oh my God, we can't believe this. Lincoln's going to lose. So some of them go to bed. And then one of them kind of looks at Grant. And he's got this little gleam in his eye. And he kind of smiles. He's like, yeah, I was just kidding. He's like, Lincoln's going to win. Which is so funny because he did the same thing when happened with Cedar Creek with Phil Sheridan, where Sheridan sort of says what happens first. And so Grant reads off the bad news, them being pushed back. And then everyone, he's like, well, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Everyone's like, oh my God, it's awful. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you the rest with this kind of like grin on his face. So he's very, he's very funny. I think he's got like a nice like sense of humor. He is, but he is also, he's very, he's, he keeps to himself. I think that's the main thing. And I, sometimes people think that's, he's, they're like, oh, he just doesn't know what to say. It's like, no, he just keeps to himself a lot. He's very, I think he's very sort of introverted. So that sort of almost baseline of just kind of keeping to yourself. You're very quiet. It's a lot like his mother was. I think he gets a lot of traits from his mother. His mother was very quiet as to where Jesse Grant, the father, he was very loud. He was very boastful. He never knew when to shut up, get his son, Ulysses, in trouble. Even when he was younger in town, people didn't like Jesse and they would take it out on Grant. Grant didn't really like that. So he kind of kept that to himself. But I think around his, uh, I think there's a quote from Sherman where he says that, Grant didn't even know himself. And sometimes I think Sherman thinks he's a little more smarter than he thinks he is. I think Grant knew himself very well. And he sometimes he just wouldn't reveal that to everyone. I think there's certain people that he, especially Julia, I think Julia really knew his personality. They played tricks on each other. They're very cutesy. I mean, even towards the end of their life, they're always kind of, when they're on their world tour, they were kind of like poke fun at each other. So I think it really just, depends on who he's talking to but I think he's a very he's a quiet guy but he's got a sense of humor he's got great storytelling ability and I think he I, he enjoys other people who are like that I think that's why um even sometimes when things were rocky a little bit I think with Lincoln I I think they're kind of made of the same cloth when it comes to that sort of homey sort of feel mm -hmm. and that's what that's what I like about Grant and that's why I find very interesting because he can be very quiet and people are like oh he's just being quiet for a quiet sake. It's so, like, no, he just keeps to himself. So yes. I've already, I've, I've been, I was told a story when I worked yeah. down in Virginia. Yes. Um, one that I really love because it, I think it speaks a lot to how Grant's humor was. Yeah. Kind of how he handled things. So at some point, and I, they told me it was a battle of Petersburg, which it may or may not have been. So shells are falling fairly close to where Grant has his desk set up. Yeah. And he's sitting here reading correspondence. And one of the shells, I mean, McCle uh, Meade is freaking out. <laughs> What's he Meade not to, freaking out? He wants, to <laughs> no, move. I'm he wants to move and get out of here. Well, at one point, Grant's sitting there chewing on a cigar, and one of the shells hits, and it splatters mud all over him. Mm -hmm. And he gets covered in it. And they said all he did was he got up, he took his cigar out, picked up the desk, and moved it to the backyard, sat back down, <laughs> and kept going to the floor. <laughs> 
That's so, yeah, there was actually another story. I think it was around the either the wilderness or Spotsylvania where someone did the same sort of thing where shells were coming down and he was sitting, I think, on a stump and someone came up and was like, sir, they're firing towards our direction. And he just kind of smoked a cigar and kind of turned the guy and was like, well, why don't we silence their guns? It's like, why don't we shoot at them? Yeah, that's uh, that sounds about right. There's another story too. I was just reading about the six the six offensive of Petersburg, which is the one that takes place in October around Hatcher's Run. Mm -hmm. And there's a story about Grant going up the Boyden Plank Road towards the bridge with um, um, Orville Babcock. And everyone's like, and the battles, like there stuff's happening. And everyone's like, oh my God, what is he doing? Because he wants to go and take a look for himself, what the ground looks like, what's the situation. And I guess his horse gets tangled up in some, I don't know if it's an adatee or some wiring or something along those lines. And he gets, he gets stuck out there and everyone's like, oh, and his horse is kind of freaking out a bit. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is a disaster. So Orville Babcock, he gets off the, um, he gets off the horse. He's trying, and Grant's telling him, don't hurt, don't hurt the horse. That's always a big thing with Grant, don't hurt the horse. He's like, make sure the horse is okay. And he, they get out safely and Grant kind of trots back up the way. And he's like, well, I guess I really shouldn't have been there, shouldn't I? <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny. I'm like, I'm like you're so stupid. <laughs> that's the, just kind of like being like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have been up there. But he got the information that he needed. Yeah. But also making like a silly comment like that, which I find very endearing. I think it's very interesting. He's well, it's always, like, eh. it's always <laughs> that. And um, just to throw this out there. So the yes. visitor center at Chancellorsville and Wilderness, because they're all in one area. Yeah, well, yeah uh, the Wilderness, yeah. They, they're I've been one down visitor there. Center. Um, they have this big, huge museum in the back of the visitor center you can go through. Yeah. The one, the one for Chancellorsville is very good. Uh, the one for the wilderness is even better because there's oh, one good. spot where they talk about Grant smokes like 23 cigars or something ridiculous yeah, he's, like that. Yeah, he's he very, freaking out. Yeah, he's nervous. He, he just, he doesn't, I, I read this sort of interpretation in Brooke Simpson's book and I thought I found it very interesting. He just doesn't know how the army of the Potomac is going to fight, which is natural because this is the first time he's been with this army he's very familiar obviously with the army of the tennessee he sort of built that from the ground up out there and it, it was his army and it was a very good army to him and but he doesn't know how the army of the potomac is going to be and how it will react to things well it's and the same I, way and i think it's him that says it is um they're basically like you know how are we going to go after lee's like well he's not going to go doing backflips and flips go yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's like go back to your commands and think about what you're going to do to him instead of what he is going to do to you which i think yeah. was something that which is very interesting because I, I think eventually grant starts to think about what lee's going to do and lee thinks about what grant's going to do i i feel like they're also made of the very same cloth just these two guys who have the same sort of ideas and they're uh, kind of button heads as as you described grant's personality it's very similar yes is it, it it is the dry sense of humor yeah um, lee is the only thing i'll say is lee's very flirtatious yeah grant's with not <laughs> yes with i've noticed everyone. that yeah there it, it, there's a little bit of a similarity though and it's that's definitely serves as a i think lee had a little more of a temper too from what i that understood that. i think grant was a little more he was very his staff was very close he had a lot more staff when lee got angry lee was angry Yes, it was and, very and rare was, for people. Yeah, it was very it's rare. Zero to a hundred, real quick. Yeah, and it then was it very would drop rare. Right back down. So, yeah, it was very rare for people to see Grant angry. 
Um, yeah. I'm trying to reoccur. I'm, I think may, he, when he would make an outburst, like the one he did the wilderness, where he's saying, go back to your commands, that, that took people by surprise because he's very quiet. And so he doesn't kind of... It's smart. You use it when you yeah. use it. You're not going to have to use it all the that, time. It's like a teacher. When I had a teacher in high school, a history teacher in high school who was very chill, but he would raise, when he raised his voice an octave, you knew thing when things were about to go down. Everyone yeah. was in trouble. You knew everything. It was not going to be good. <laughs> so yeah, it's that same. I think it's that same sort of deal. But I have also there's a book I'm going to read. I can't catch. Uh, I think it's called Crucible of Command, which is a kind of parallel book between Grant and Lee mm-hmm. that I'm going to read eventually, which I'm very interested in to see what the author has to say. It's a it's a newer book, so I'm interested to see what's going on with that. But I agree. Sometimes I think they. Lee and Grant, I think they have the same sort of mind, the same sort of mindset. I think Gary Gallagher has said that, that they they have the same sort of mindset of what to do. And they always want to take the initiative. They always want the initiative of what they want to do. And it's basically then battling for initiative. At some point, Grant takes it away. As much as Lee is certainly a defensive general, Mm -hmm. Lee is constantly- He loves an offensive. He loves an offensive when he needs it. Yeah. But he's also I mean, smart enough to know I need to be on the defensive first. I need to be entrenched, ready to go. That mm-hmm. way, when, you know, that's the big issue with a lot of these early Union generals. Meade doesn't under, well, Meade sort of does understand it. McClellan doesn't Meade, get that. No, Lee, McClellan, doesn't McClellan understand doesn't understand that. Lee is very quick. Mm-hmm. He's got a small army so he can move yes. easily. Yes. And it means that he's going to be set up before you get there. There's mm-hmm. also the fact that McClellan's constantly scared of everything, of I you need more see, soldiers. See a, see a spider on his shoe, and he's like, ah, no, that's a little <laughs> extreme, but yeah. No, he, it'd he's... be a lot slower than that. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that's how slow you would scream. No, I agree. I think, um, so like I mentioned, I was reading that book on the sixth offensive, and the author makes a very good point. Lee, even though he knows when to be entrenched, he always is looking for an attack there. He was really upset in early, I think late September, early October, when the Union took Fort Harrison, which is on the Richmond side of the James. He was really upset that that got taken over and he tried to get that back. And that attack completely, it was it completely failed. It did not, not completely failed, but it did not work. And that's one of the last times before the Fort Stedman attack in late March, early April, that Lee is able to go on an offensive, but he's always looking, he wants to take that initiative back. That's why he sends early to the Valley. And that's why- It is very Washington-like. Yes, which can be. There are many of of generals that idolize George Washington. Mm -hmm. Lee literally grew up in his house. Yeah, like married to, what what was his wife? His- Curtis. Yes, Curtis was- yeah, and uh, the related, like, second? Washington's wife, Martha. Yes, Martha. Uh, yeah. It's Martha Curtis Washington. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, so, like, tangentially. Related to Washington through marriage. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's always very Which interesting to talk about. A, Washington's adoptive son. Son? Yeah. Uh, I, is, I, <laughs> is Lee's wife's dad. The family tree. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole thing, like I said before. You know, the Virginia families are all kind of eh, together. They're all sort of connected somehow. Yeah, and it's very true. The connotations of <laughs> massive amounts of inbreeding in Virginia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Families yeah. is weird. It's very odd. But yeah, but it, 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 
about that sort of thing with Grant and Lee, it's always very interesting to read about them. And I took some special interest in the uh, Valley campaign of 64, because Grant essentially he says, I think if he had the Sixth Corps and Sheridan's um, Cavalry Corps, which was off in the Shenandoah Valley taken care of early, I, I feel like he might have broken through because those offenses, offensives around Petersburg, they're always missing like more men if they had more men and the sixth corps was or very... more dynamite to blow up the crater <laughs> they could have had that that's true or maybe if uh burnside didn't pull strong i know taking the colored troops off last minute was not a good idea and it was not it also idea. didn't help that once the idea of the crater is presented to grant Mm-hmm. Grant goes, yeah, go ahead, and then does nothing to help. Well, he he that I I, I was re- I was listening to um, Wilson Green, and you would probably know him from Pamplin Park. Uh, I know I of him. Yes, you know of him. He had a great video on the Battlefield Trust where there's there's a deep bottom. There, I think it's either first or second. I think it was second deep bottom. Was at the same time. Actually, no, maybe first deep bottom. It's one of those deep bottom attacks. It's very uh, similar. Or, it's very yeah. close to that. Yes, happening. it's north. Of, yeah, it's north of James. Well, that was the main, that was the main attack. The, the crater was the, like the backup sort yeah. of thing. Like that, that attack that was supposed to happen above the James around Richmond, that was supposed to be the big punch. When that didn't work, they're like, well, the a lot of these guys are up top there blow it up blow it up see how it goes and if it goes great and if it doesn't i don't know but i they did not i don't think they imagine which again i uh trust me i the idea of them taking out the the u.s color troops it's just and then sending them in afterwards which the the whole thing was a mess but for burnside to pull straws essentially I know that they couldn't get. <laughs> he just landed That's... on the most intoxicated person he could. And then what the worst person they could pick. I mean, that's just the worst luck imaginable. I, I, I will and Green, he mentions that he's like Burnside did everything right up to that point where he just let people pull straws. I'm like, the other thing is, is uh, and I'm sure, uh, like I said, I'm sure he talks about it. Mm-hmm. Is Green. the Confederates knew what was going on? Like they knew something was happening. Something they can was see yeah, the smoke. They can hear the hammers and the things happening underneath them. Yeah, they were probably countermining. Kind of, oh yeah, there's definitely countermining. Tons yeah. of it. That's same. Yeah, you that, can that's see same. it if you go to where the crater is. You can see where you the see Confederate it. countermines are. You're that's also not supposed to go into the crater, but you know. Yeah, that same thing happened at Vicksburg. I mean, they knew they knew that they were digging at Vicksburg, and they yeah. were trying to countermine, which is hilarious to read about in Tim Smith's book about the siege of Vicksburg. Just mm-hmm. imagine them trying to countermine these mines. And sometimes you can get there and sometimes you just don't know when it's going to blow up or how how big it's going to blow up. And yeah, I, the idea of it is smart. It's the execution. And I think um, during the, because, uh, you know, there's a committee on the conduct of war on it. Of course there was. And I, I grant, I during the thing, if I remember reading it correctly, he took full responsibility. He's like, listen, Ledley fu- screwed up and it went all the way up to me. He's like, I let that happen. And it was, that was it was awful. And he said it to Halleck, I think. Halleck or Stan, he sent a telegram to. He was like, it was a disaster. The worst thing I've ever seen during the war, and we're never going to get another chance like that, which is true. And they didn't. And I'm, But I think also with the Petersburg campaign, and we're talking about a lot of Petersburg, because actually Petersburg is one of my favorite campaigns to read about. A lot of people don't talk about it. It's a really um, cool campaign. Lee is stuck. And he can't, aside from early in the valley, but once early in the valley is done, he can't send anyone, anyone else to do anything. He's, he's stuck there. Grant's got him in a vine grip and Grant's like, fine, I'm going to sit here and I'll get to you eventually. 
but Sheridan can do his stuff in the Valley. Sherman can do his stuff going to Atlanta. Maybe George Thomas will do something. <laughs> Grant would never know. He, he tries. I, I like Thomas a lot. I think I do he, too. Uh, I think I, I, I share a last name with him. I like. Yeah, that's true. I think Grant him were just it just there was just no connection there, which I sometimes it's a bummer. I think sometimes that just happens. I think there's just sometimes there's just no connection there, and I think also he was getting a lot of pushback from Washington when he when Thomas wasn't doing his Nashville thing. But that's a whole other deal. It's it's unfortunate because they're both very good. And I, but I feel like sometimes people take sides. I'm like, listen, they won the war. (laughs) No team to take sides except for the the winning side. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So we will wrap it up there, but I will wrap it up with probably my favorite story about Grant. Yes. Love it. That is is because at the end of my personal, probably second favorite battle is the Mm -hmm. second battle of Fort Fisher. Ah, yes. When my boy Alfred... When I was my say, boy Cyrus B. Comstock was there. Yes, his when boy. my boy Alfred Terry saves the day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when Fort Fisher is captured, Grant has a hundred gun salute. He loves a hundred gun salute. He does it for Sheridan in the Valley. He does it for Sherman with Atlanta. Alfred and Terry. I believe. Guns. <laughs> I believe does make the trip down there. He probably speed. did. I know Stanton does, and I believe that Grant does too, and does actually go down to where Carolina Beach, Fort Fisher is, Mm -hmm. and towards the fortifications, which at that time were, uh, there's a reason why Fort Fisher was called the Gibraltar of the South. Yeah, I've seen it. But nowadays, it's not as impressive just because time, and it's on the coast, so erosion. Ocean, yeah. uh, Yeah, the ocean's on one side, and Cape Fear River is on the other. Yeah. Which is probably the coolest river name. Cape Fear. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Grant liked Terry. I'm pretty sure he liked Terry. He liked Terry, I think, if I remember correctly. It, it's hard to tell because I think technically they fall under Sherman's command. Do they? Sherman kind of didn't like that Terry took too long. And then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course he did. Uh, uh, oh schofield schofield old johnny schofield, schofield his awful beard yeah he comes down and sherman puts him in charge of entering wilmington yes. which at this point is literally just walk in hello hi i'm here <laughs> i'm well, here he takes terry out of it because terry's getting caught up in uh a lot of that small fighting at fort anderson further up mm-hmm. cape fear um mm-hmm. going towards wilmington well at this point wilmington's gonna fall it's yeah. just a matter of when. Much, much to yeah. Lee's dismay. Yes. And and Davis, who constantly tells Bragg, is there any way you might be able to take it back? And Bragg's like, nah. I'm going to go to Newburn and try and do that. <laughs> I'll let you know the next day. <laughs> yeah. The answer is no. No. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about but right. Terry gets sort of bogged down a little bit, which the fighting there is like horribly bad. Yeah, it's desperate Confederate soldiers who have just retreated from the fort, mm-hmm. who are just witnessed a, I think it's like sixteen hour or something like that bombardment from the Ugh. Federal Navy, which is can't be me, <laughs> not a fun thing to have happen. No, you just had hand to hand combat all over the fort. Now you're rowing in boats across the Cape Fear River while Braxton Bragg's looking at it, going, "Fort seems fine to me." every he's like that meme that meme with the dog and everything's on fire everything's like everything's fine it's (laughs) great well like terry gets bogged down and sherman ends up replacing him with schofield well he just right up the coast 
right through the Cape Fear, gets to Wilmington. And as he's entering Wilmington, he puts Terry back in charge so that Terry gets the honor of entering Wilmington. Oh, good. That's accepting good. the That's surrender nice of Sherman. the city. Yeah. That's yeah. nice of Sherman to do that. Oh, it wasn't Sherman that decided. It was Schofield. Oh, Schofield did that. Oh, good yeah. for him and his bad beard. Yeah, he was like, his yeah, I'll let, Terry, I'll let Terry take the honor of accepting Aww. the surrender. <laughs> oh, that's nice of him. And then Terry put in a good friend of his from North Carolina as temporary mayor. Of course, <laughs> did he? Yes. He's like, thank you. Yep. Here you go. That's pretty funny. So. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry to run off one quick. I think, I, I think <laughs> when Grant was writing his memoirs, I think Terry was asking him to say a kind word about him in his memoirs. Yeah. That's why I kind of, I well, think it, it helps like, that. Terry is also in the Little Bighorn campaign. Oh outlet. yes, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You, know, you know, Grant. He uh, he hated Custer. He hated that. Yeah, dude. And, and Terry he... is in command of Custer, and is part of the reason why Custer ends up there. He's one of the first person that rolls up. Yeah. Oh, this is bad. This is a bad thing. It is bad. You know, if if Terry and Sheridan, I'm pretty sure if they didn't be like, hey, let cut let Custer go out here because Grant wasn't going to let him. He pulled him off the thing. If uh, they didn't pressure him, Custer yeah. and his long locks might still might have still lived on with his uh, very pretty wife wife Libby, I believe. Very pretty wife. Libby Bacon. Very pretty. She uh, she's very nice to look at. They had some interesting letters. Letters I didn't yes. want to read. I, <laughs> I have seen some of those letters. Not safe for work letters. <laughs> That I, I firmly believe in historical women crush. Um, uh, listen, Liddy, I, Liddy Custard I, is certainly one of those. Listen, as, historical, as well man, as, historical man crush. I, I, I won't lie. I mean, Grant's a good looking dude. I'm just going to put I, it out there. You know, I don't. <laughs> I also think that Anna Surratt is also a good looking girl. No, not bad. Listen, these, these people, they weren't looking that bad back then. I'm sure they smelled bad, but. <laughs> oh, horribly bad. Yeah. <laughs> stink <laughs> that is how we will end the episode <laughs> sorry no it's all good so thank you very much for coming on no i had a good time yeah this is a lot of fun and i definitely want to get you on like an actual full episode to where it's yes. a little more we'll call it structured Yes, for sure. Where I don't have to go tangenting for stories. <laughs> I quite enjoyed all these stories, though. Oh, good. <laughs> um, as I promised, Kevin and Allie, I will make sure to make you sound good. I'm with Allie two, Allie one, I'm Allie two. <laughs> in my book, you're equal. Oh, thank you. Although I do constantly tell you you're my favorite. So. That's true. You do. It's very nice of you to say that. But Allie's also okay. very good. I, 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 I love you all equally. <laughs> I just like some of you more than others. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so I will talk to you later. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I just wanted to give a special thank you to Allie Biddles for being on the episode again. And of course, to all of you that have been listening to these episodes, I want to say thank you. If you are interested in being on an After Dark series episode, please send me a message any way you can. And we'll see what we can hook up and get you on one. In the meantime, this has been Jacob and Allie Biddles with the History Book, and I'll see you next time.